everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're very welcome along. It is episode six of our seventh season of LOI Central, and uh, it does feel like we've an awful lot to get through this week. And unfortunately, we will have nowhere near enough time to get through the issues that arose over another um, really, really compelling weekend of uh, League of Ireland action. Um, lots of controversy as well. Uh, we're going to get to that later on in the show. Uh, we'll be talking to Jonathan Hannafin and Billy Dennehy, the manager, Jonathan Hannafin, uh, the player from uh, Kerry FC, about the experience of a fledgling League of Ireland club. Looking forward to uh, my first trip to Montauk Park in due course. And uh, as ever, we are in association with uh, Future Ticketing. We are in association with Rascals Brewing, the award-winning independent brewery based in Inchcore Dublin 8. Ask for Irish beer. Uh, ask for Rascals in your local off-licence. Highly recommended recommended and of course collar and cuff uh, decky's not only sponsoring the mailbag um, but you can uh, turn up to collar and cuff and decky will look after all your needs and um yeah how are we getting on dan we're good johnny um i'm i'm down in Kerry myself um at the moment just uh on a on a mini break um but it's, it's timely that uh we, we dial into a Kerry uh, a Kerry press conference this week um because we do have the the premier division international break um, which is sort of a, a time for everyone to take stock after what has been a fairly dramatic opening series of games. You know, um, opening round of games. I, I think if we were to sit down, you know, and and say, well, where do we think teams would be going into the into the break? I don't think we would be imagining the Shamrock Rovers hadn't won a game yet. Um, I don't think we've been imagining that Bowes would be 10 points clear of, uh, of Shamrock Rovers. Um, we might have expected UCD to be bottom. We might have expected some of the other things to to unfold. Um, maybe you might have expected Galway to have a, a little bit of a cushion over, over Waterford at this early stage. I don't know. Um, but there was so much going on. Like I know like last week you were away. I was, I was not at a game on Friday either, but we were sort of following stuff uh, online. And the uh, just, I mean, it's great to have the NOI TV service now properly that you can you can tune into as many games as you can, even if you can only watch twenty minutes, you can still dial in for twenty minutes. And um, I certainly got the right twenty minutes of Rovers and Pats. Um, but I don't know where do you, where do you start? I mean, the mailbag does cover a lot of these issues anyway. Um, but um, I don't know. I think the international break isn't a bad thing. I know sometimes people say it checks the momentum, but I think the crowds have been so good. Okay, people will naturally get caught up in Latvia now France in particular Evan Ferguson all of that I think if there was league games this weekend there's a real danger that they become subplots you know they're completely relegated from the news agenda and I don't think we want that I think in terms of Irish football coverage you want our games to be front and centre when they're on and so I'm I'm definitely happy with the break um, in terms of the Premier stuff yeah, and I was, I was talking to Rory Houston, the Sligo Rovers fan, and he's like, well, we've three players away in international duty as well. Um, and you, you, you do forget. And Dan, as you mentioned, there's so many things to get through. Uh, we put up a couple of things on Twitter in terms of the moment of the weekend. Jack Byrne's goal, was it actually um, outdone by Mulraney's goal? You have uh, Hartman's skills in the Sligo game, Max Murphy. This was, your Saturday, this was your Saturday night, Saturday night with Johnny. You put out some thought-provoking polls. For the people who weren't out... I put out one poll and two Rovers. videos, Dan. Yeah, I was listening to some good content. What did you get the result of the poll for us? The you result of the poll, the poll was, yeah, the, poll was, was the, poll? the poll was early contenders for the moment of the week for our mailbag. Jack Byrne goal, Jake Mulraney goal, Max Murphy goal, Fabrice Hartman skills with eight hundred and fifty nine votes. It was actually very tight, but Jack 
Uh, Jack did win the poll, um, and the, the mad thing about that game, Dan, was that like, and I was like you, I was I was getting a flight home, so after Galway United had sort of done the business in Cove, I, I switched over to the uh, to that game, and um, after Pats went to all, and you have this unbelievable performance from a kind of a veteran keeper that they bring in, um, like Rovers had unbelievable chances to win the game again in the in the last sort of five minutes, literally, and you're wondering like for Tim Clancy who. You know, alluded to it afterwards. He's had a very tough week. Um, imagine the absolute sickener if they conceded after the Mulrani goal. But like, th- th- there were also comments made about you know Rovers' tactics because they kind of went quite defensive in terms of their um, substitutions. They were two one up, and you do feel that um, this this bad run of six games without winning uh, seven, if you include the Presidents' Cup, it's kind of playing on them a little bit. And the only, I suppose, the only thing they can take from the night is that they didn't lose ground on Derry. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... No, I think you're right. Uh, the the substitutions thing. I mean, again, everything is analysed in depth when you when you don't win. Yeah, right? like this is this is always like everything becomes a mistake, you know, and it's not a talking point at all if you do win. But it's clear that they're sort of struggling to even understand how just this isn't happening for them. And um, I thought just some Gary O'Neill quotes. I know Sean O'Connor was covering the game for us and. Uh, Files of Gary Neal quotes afterwards, and I thought they were quite strong. You know, there's never been two weeks like this, never mind six weeks. There was a bit of shock by what is happening. You know, you'd only wish we were playing badly because you could pinpoint what's going wrong, but it's hard to pinpoint because we were playing well. Um, and this is the thing like, it's you sense that the dressing room are maybe struggling to understand how this is happening to them. And look, it's early in the season, right? But uh, you think back to Think back to the 21st century in the League of Ireland and the dominant teams that existed. And I suppose you think of Dundalk, you think of that Shell side in the 2000s. I suppose Bowes were what might have gone that way um, on the 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 Fenland Bowes team until just you know financial issues happened or TNS happened or whatever happened, um, and they, and they lost their way. But um, they they, they like Shell had a season in 2005 and Dundalk had a season in 2017. Um, where they both started the season slowly. Now, 2017 Cork blitzed. I mean, they won 21 out of 22 or something, which is insane, right? Like, that was never going to be caught. But but Shells in 2005, they had, that was the year they actually brought in Glenn Crow and Bobby Ryan and Hawkins. And they started that season slowly. Um, and it was Cork and Derry got away. And by the end of it, I was freelancing at the time, so I would have covered a lot of Shells games that year. By the end of it, they were motoring. They were flying along. But it was too late. You know, it was it was just too late. And Rovers just need to be conscious of the little gaps. Now, it does help the league is wide open. Like, Derry were given a good game by Sligo Rovers on Friday. Um, and it's not as if there's penalty kick games there. But I think I've made this point maybe on the radio at you at the weekend. Like, Shamrock Rovers after the break, they go away to Dundalk, who are in good form and, and hard to play in Oriel. And then they, they play Bows. That's their next two matches. So, in daily minutes. And like Bowes are obviously thriving. So um they don't have a terrific record in Oriel in recent seasons. So like the chances of, of six games becoming seven or eight, it's not like um you know, they're not it's not it's not a million that, that happens at all. Um so yeah, they just don't want to be suddenly sitting with 12, 13 points of a gap, you know, to the teams above them because invariably there might be times where okay, they're playing okay at the moment, then they're gonna, there's gonna be games where they don't play well either. You know, and frustration seeps in and try and force things a bit. So um, maybe it's a good break for them. They could take stock and come back and hit the ground running. But um, they're definitely, I, I wouldn't have been that 
you know, I wouldn't be that worried about their situation, but I think the manner of conceding another goal in you know in the 88th minute, and it's a worldie as well. And I think it's Jake Mulraney, by the way. I, I, yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom Mulraney in touch with me saying you have to pronounce this name right. Just a matter of the concession, you tend to think is, is everything conspiring against us here? And that can seep in in a way that sort of uh, you lose momentum that it, that it becomes a little bit too late. But you were impressed by the Derry Sligo Rovers game. I know you watched all of that back. Um, you were impressed enough by the levels, even though you know, in, the, in the mailbag, a big talking point of that is going to be the pitch and the injuries. And 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 yet it does seem, uh, I saw the second half, that it was like it was one of the better TV games in terms of a little bit of drama, or in the sense the Sligo Rovers contributed to the game and showed themselves to be a decent side, and um, rather than just sort of um, parking the bus, maybe as some teams have it in Derry in the past, uh, even last season at times. Yeah, and speaking of Mulraney or Mulraney, Alexander Pato, um, Pato, whatever we want to call him, putting up the a duck, message. The Duck, that was his nickname, wasn't it? I think, his so, was I, I, think, I think I saw him playing in Italy back in the day, but like posting up on social media to celebrate the uh, Mulraney goal in Tala was one of the more unusual aspects of the league. And Dan, I, the game you mentioned, like I, I think the two main talking points um, in terms of you know the the heat of the debate from the weekend were um, AstroTurf pitches and refereeing, um, and we certainly had both in in the Brandywell. Um, quite apart from that, Fabrice Hartman was, I thought he was outrageous at times. I like you, you do not expect a player of this ability league of Ireland level, and I have to admit to being slightly broadsided by the fact that Sligo Rovers actually do have somebody on loan from Leipzig, which is a bit mad in itself. And You've this, been there since last summer. Yeah, it's and it's strange an issue. Yeah, and you're like, Jesus, how did how did Sligo Rovers get a player of this lad's ability? I mean, his skill for the goal was off the charts. His skill in the second half, I think, actually usurped that. But but the takeaways from the game, Dan, like Derry, just without uh, Mark Connolly, just don't look the same team. And they had a midfield of, like when you have a midfield of Diallo, I thought was outstanding, Patching and McElhenney, you think you're going to dominate games. Didn't really dominate the game. They dominated sort of until Sligo scored, which was one of the goals of the season without a shadow of a doubt. And then we had that unbelievable uh, chance at the end, obviously, um, which I think, I mean, great ball from Greg Bulger and Sligo should have scored uh, one of the four. Vastuk, um, Vastuk with the chance. Vastuk, yeah. Like he's actually he's been called into the squad now. He's, he's been called into the Estonia squad now because Poom is out. Um, but Vastuk was the guy who, Aidan Fitzmaurice did a very good piece in our paper before the season. He was in Ukraine when the conflict broke out. He'd signed for a club there and had this mad draw across country to get out um, I get out of Ukraine and, if, and you know uh, the thing about that chance Dan as well I was just I don't know what it was but I was thinking if this is on grass I'd have more confidence in him actually being able to control the ball and that might be wrong because it was still it was a good game but there are definitely we've we've heard anecdotally there are you know there are a lot lots of concerns now about teams that don't play on on a proper grass uh, surface and what that entails and from the game itself um you're you're thinking well if Sligo Rovers who like struggled to beat Cork City at home should have beaten Derry in my view I mean they they missed a great chance if Sligo Rovers are going up to Derry and should be winning um I, I just can't make head or tail of the league anymore yeah I think collateral form is um a dangerous thing yes. to get gone into this early stage or that team bet that team should you know what you know but they couldn't beat that team you know like do you know what I mean I think you can you can you can bring yourself down a a, a rabbit hole there like as you can in racing sometimes as well but by, by getting too you know bogged down on this because I think at this stage teams levels are changing I mean look at the dock the first week of the season couldn't beat UCD at home um and, and we're purring that game <laughs> yes like they're you know they're now sort of up in the top three and and sort of getting motoring 
And so, shouldn't have beaten Drada. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that was I mean, they were poor in the first half in Drada, but they they dug it out. So and their players, like, you know, again, we're learning more about these players every week. Like Tulloch is a hell of a talent, you know, Connor Malley as well, two lads mentioned by Sean Boyd. So um yeah, there's there's um there's a, it's actually I like the influx of new players to the league, but I think as well they're all going to adjust at different times. Like for Brees Hartman, people might be aware, like he's there since last summer, but there was a registration issue when he couldn't play in the second half of last season at all, which was a bit of a cock up, to be honest. Um, and yet he's clearly worth waiting for. Um, but I love getting to know all these players, but clearly some of them it will take them longer than others to adjust and, and settle into the league. And that's why teams who are reliant on a lot of those players could be very hard to get a level on their level you know, until the, almost the midway point of the season. And you realise maybe there might be guys with a higher ceiling who just haven't managed to hit it yet. But um, let's go to the mailbag because I think it covers up, uh, covers a lot of those issues. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Yeah, it's mailbag time. Uh, covers up by Dan. No cover-ups on this show at all, Dan. But the, the, the mailbag this week, um, again, we could spend hours and hours and hours. There was an awful lot to get through. Yeah, so like uh, Daniel Foran and Joe McDwyer, amongst others, on about the pitch in Derry. Like Joe McDwyer, three things about Derry's situation. He did the situation in the Derry accent. I can't really do it myself. One, the pitch. Two, the pitch. Three, the pitch. Daniel Foran, injuries during the Derry Vicego match caused by the plastic pitch. Should pl- question mark? I would say it was a question mark. Should plastic pitches be banned? Question mark. Now, I know there was another underage player got a serious injury in the brand new at the weekend. We have to be careful with what we say here. Like injuries happen all the times, you know, in all sorts of pitches. You know, people trip up and and sustain a serious setback. But it is true that in the last couple of games, there's been a high number of setbacks in in Derry games. You know, you can't avoid it. You know, you had the Mark Connolly situation. Daniel Kelly went off, although he was carrying a knock. Um and we had the, the players at the weekend like Branafalk and and uh, and then Carol Sullivan and mm. and Shay McElhenney. Like there's 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 a lot happening and like the surface isn't popular. Um, it's not popular with players. Clearly, the league have raised concerns with it, and I don't think I don't think people in Derry are going to be defensive about it because they don't like it either. Um, but we are where we are at the moment. I don't know what you can say about it in the short term. Um, but. Um, it's not ideal that you have a, a top team, you know, potentially a league winner, certainly a top two side, on a pitch that is a concern, you know. And, and if you have maybe players who are, you know, carrying little knocks or have a little bit of a dodgy history in a particular area, do you want them always to be playing on that pitch? And I know the counterpoint is someone like Patrick McElhenney's had lots of injuries and he's thriving this season. He's playing very well. Um there's a huge. We all know playing Astro, at, you know, even at a certain, at a, you know, on at a certain level, things can happen. It can be hard in the joints. It can be hard in the body. But you know, for a Premier Division, the highest level of football in this country, it's it's not ideal that, um, you know, a pitch has this question mark hanging over. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think uh, the Brandywell will be a grass surface in the future at some stage. Um, oh, and, definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, and I, I think, um, you know, when you look at games in Oriel as well, um, I, 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 I don't know, can you say, like, is this a coincidence what's happening? Um, but I do feel that... Um, in this country, we need to be moving away from at the at the highest level. We should not be playing games on four G pitches. That's just my opinion, um, and it, it, each their own. But what else do we have done? Yeah, um, Owen Tubbert, I like this. UCD have used all their nine lives and look like relegation is nearly guaranteed. But who will finish ninth? Cork Rovers or Drogs? 
Um, so I mean, I resume his reference, Shamrock Rovers there. Um, but it is it, it is like a there is a point. Like you know, I, I was saying this to draw would be absolutely fine. But then you, you sort of look and go, okay, who is actually going to finish second from bottom? Like you know, Cork mm. seemingly quite poor at the weekend against Shells. Shells look solid. Um, don't think it's going to be them. You know, so who's it going to be? Like it, like it has the potential to become a, a battle royale. I reckon Shamrock Rovers own yeah. might just pull away from it. I think that'd be okay over over the long term. But like this is a, a valid a valid discussion. And uh, Mark McKillen, are Galway United already looking too strong for some of the opposition? Uh, and again, you've been asked to call the first division title race. Are, are you in a position to do that? Um, well, I, I did fancy Bray to get a result in Watford. Now, the, the circumstance, obviously, Watford being 2 nil up. But again, I, I do feel that... I do feel that the coach is under pressure there, Cyril. I think he's um he will be under pressure and, and, and the way Watford are playing with the resources they have, um, it's been a poor start to the season. It was a it wasn't a great game in Cove, Dan. Um, you know, that it was a bumpy pitch. It didn't lead itself to, you know, a very nice game of football, but um, you know, Borden getting another goal, brilliant, brilliant signing by Go United. And with the gap that Go United have over Watford now, um, yeah, I'd be very confident they're gonna win the league. No, I, I can understand it. Um, sorry if there's a bit of a background noise here. I think there might be a job interview taking place. In <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't go out on air. Um, John O'Connor, a lot more noise around officials and managers, um, around officials from managers and fans in 2023. Is this just the usual noise or is there a problem? Thankless job, but needs to be done right with the league almost full-time, more at stake for all involved. Now, we were sent a clip of a decision that went against Treaty um, against that loan last week at 2-0. It looks like a, a penalty should have been given. I don't know. We are, as I said, we are going to do a referee show at some stage and bring on guests to maybe discuss this. But um, I, like, there is definitely there is a view even within refereeing circles that there's a talent issue at the moment in terms of referees coming through, and um, they've probably regulated things a lot more in terms of payment this year, in terms of the panel and signing contracts. And in recent years, more people have stepped away less experience the Arnold Hunter has come in from the IFA this year and he left their panel up there for whatever reason and has come on board here so there's an issue with that there's an issue I I wrote about this recently with the number of yellow cards I think it's slowed down a bit Um, but there's definitely a view that there's there's this assessment tool that's been used that some refs clearly feel they've been monitored and they have to be card happy at times or certainly can't be lenient in a way that you know, maybe more experienced refs might be, um, you know, knowing when to manage a game and to let something flow. But it's coming up every week, you know, controversial decisions everywhere. I, I Sometimes I find it a boring topic, I have to say, because I think they're all, you know, these people aren't on good money. They're doing their best. Um, you know, and I, I don't like it just becoming a referee bashing thing. Yet in saying that, it's such an obvious talking point amongst people in the league. Like there, you know, yes, people will always complain about decisions. That's the nature of life. It's the nature of football. But it is like it's it's it's, it's sort of an elephant in the room. And to the extent, you know, <laughs> that um, what is happening with the general standards? I don't know. Do you feel it's any better or worse than than recent times? Or why is it magnified now? I I. I it, you know, I'm I'm thinking about this, and it's like I I'm I've I've refed a couple of games as as a youngster, and like just at local level or whatever, and like wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's extremely tough, and the challenge of getting referees in any sport at the moment is obviously difficult. But I do wonder: is the standard 
of the league in general going up maybe 10, 15% and the referees aren't necessarily able to match it. Um, I, I thought like the one thing I'd say about Adriano real, like fair play to him for coming out and, you know, just admitting he made a mistake because the, 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 the decision not to obviously to pull back that um, what would have been a goal from McGonagall would have put Derry 1-0 up in the ninth, in the 10th minute was massive in the game. Absolutely massive. John Mahan almost certainly should have been sent off as well thereafter, which was another, which was probably even more controversial because Sligo ain't going to win that game or get a draw with 10 men. Um, you've Michelle O'Neill calling the ball over the line and um, when, you know, we've seen replays which would suggest clearly it wasn't. How do you make that call when you can't be sure it was over the line? Because it wasn't over the line. I'm not even sure any of the ball was over the line. Um, and you have the decisions in, you know, a couple of Cove, Cove games, um, really, really poor decisions as well in terms of another one over the line that wasn't. Um, and I don't know, Dan, like I, I'm, I'm not one at all to blame referees, but it is becoming an issue and it is an elephant in the room. I'd agree with you. Yeah, look, and I suppose you know we we can't diagnose the problem. But as I said, we are going to bring on some people who can speak about this and 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 that maybe see if it shines some light on the issue. Owen McDee, is the increase in interest in LOI along with improvement of his overall package affecting uh, intermediate junior clubs to um to want to join the LOI and create more pathways? But we'll see with this third tier. Um, I'm not sure if the established amateur clubs really want to come into it at all. Um. But we'll see what comes of that. I think we'll we'll touch on it in our carry chat coming up. Like maybe other, you might see, you know, the sort of Carlo Kilkenny team and a couple of those come into it in the coming years, potentially. Hopefully Mayo, maybe Monaghan might come back in some shape or form. In terms of the existing amateur clubs, I'm, I'm not so sure, but I think there's a lot of work there. As journos, have you felt more disillusionment, lack of passion in Ireland for the English Premier League? I'd be wary of answering this question. I think, like, clearly no in terms of, like, Still a huge amount of people travelling over here um, and, and going. But I suppose anecdotally, you are hearing more stories of people who would have been dismissive towards the League of Ireland being open-minded to getting on board with it, you know. And I think what's good is that people who are getting into it, it's positive energy about the league that's turning them to it rather than them being sort of lectured into going. There's a sense yeah. of, I think there's a bit, I'm just hearing this, like I was just, just talking to my uh, to my barber the other day, as you do, uh, Warren. Uh, well-known figure to a lot of people in uh, football in the country. He's not a sponsor uh, of us, is he? No, he's not. Uh, probably, possibly should be, actually. Yeah. Um, he's mentioned one of his lads, Paul, who works with him. You know, never gone to League of Ireland, but I don't know, he's in his mid-twenties from uh, Finglish direction and uh, just decided to go to the Bowes game last week because everyone else was going, you know, and you hear more of that sort of chat around the place and went along and really enjoyed the occasion. And this is it, like, you know, sometimes it's, it's potluck you know, you, we've, we've all brought mates to games and they've been bad games over the years at times and you're thinking, oh, God, like... But the fact is now that people are going to games that are full, there's a bit of atmosphere, hopefully the game is good and they come back and that's all you can do. I, I do think there's maybe an element that right, the, 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 the monstrosity that the Premier League is in some ways is off-putting to some people, but I'd be... I, I know people who feel that way, but I'd be wary, to, wary of saying that that extends to everyone. Right, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't say that there are obviously people who who have no interest at all and remain very happy in their in the Premier League world. I mean, a lot of them are, are Liverpool fans. You see, uh, this this weird genre of Irish Premier League fans streaming their games, streaming themselves, watching games on social media. I mean, those people are the dregs of society, right? I mean, that is, that is, I mean like, I mean, sometimes we're hard on ourselves. Like we talk dismissively about. Uh, you talk dismissively about League of Ireland fans as degenerates and it's all a sort of a, you know, it's a self-deprecating thing, but 
do think some of these people who are making themselves famous from streaming themselves, screaming abuse at the camera after never could lose. I mean, we all have problems in life, but if we ever need to go to that depths to be noticed, we're, we're all in bother. Uh, Thomas Tormey, I know the much derided energy drink rebranded at the League of Ireland resembles the Six Nations under 20 very much. Um, wonder if we'll see Joe Malloy or Tommy Martin hosting an LOI game on Virgin Media anytime soon. I wouldn't be holding your breath on uh, on that one, Tom. I don't think Virgin is where we're going to be seeing games at any point. Uh, Conor Egan, on a flight through a couple of these, wonder would moving TV games to Thursday when no Europa League, ECL, LOI clashes be a big opportunity? I think people in the league want to do that, but I don't think broadcasters are up for it, uh, Conor. Um, she references when does Stephen Bradley start coming under pressure? I mean, he can't come under pressure because of the credit he has in the bank. Um, but... But again, like if they go through a whole series of games without winning a match, like there's pressure at Rovers every time. That's what people will tell you anyway. Like he's always under pressure. Never going to be under threat, right? That's just ludicrous. But um, I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> if you if you don't win in eight games, right? Like it's it's a natural. They have a big fan base, so angst will creep in. Like we saw that in Talca Park after the Shells game. Like there are people who are will be unhappy, and that's the nature of it. Um. J-Mac references Kerry and their inability to defend set pieces. That seems to be a problem. We didn't quite get into that with, with uh, our Kerry guests. Dunner again on about the Astro pitches. Um, B. Mallon, uh, two, two conflicting views. Dominant display from drugs. Smash and grab from Dundalk. No way Dundalk would be in the title frame. But 91-80 says, are Dundalk in the title race? The dock are gonna, the dock are gonna improve. Um, I think that's the key thing. And like, I, I'm gonna waffle here if I say like a lot of the the players, I, I, I didn't know anything about them before they signed. Um, you mentioned Tolok. I thought, I thought the two lads you mentioned and and that boy you mentioned on the show, um were brilliant for the goal. It was a really good goal. And and you're talking about games where like Dundalk did not play very well. Like they didn't play very well against UCD. Um, but they, there was a moment of quality in the game that these are two players that they didn't have last season, Tolok and Mali combined to, to have that moment of quality that won a very, very tight game and allowed Derby before a sold out crowd. Um I, I'd actually be I'd be wary of ruling nearly anyone out of the title race at the moment. But Dundalk, um Dundalk for me are definitely left field candidates. I think the thing with Dundalk is like you know, they're actually their home record is 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 going to be good. Like I mean like we think that Derry's home record would be good, but actually the pitch maybe doesn't help them. Whereas I think Dundalk know how to play Oriel, like you know, and there's a good good atmosphere there, but also there, there's a sort of a, I don't know, they 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 think they're sharp enough at times in terms of how they can squeeze teams on the pitch, like visiting teams to come there and 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 know how to neutralize them at times. But then, um, clearly, like the the type of players they've brought in, attacking wise, like they seem to have some sort of explosive capabilities, you know, and uh, they've got yeah, I mean, like they crept into it last season and then. Huben and Dan Kelly were injured. Um, I still would feel their squad isn't the biggest, so it's very hard to see them maybe pushing to the duration. But I think, yeah, I think we probably all underestimated the Dock a little bit this season. I certainly thought Pats would be third, um, the Dock would be fourth, but um, that prediction doesn't look to uh, be aging well at this stage. I, I um, think Stephen O'Donnell is a, is, I honestly, honestly think Stephen O'Donnell is a very good football mind. And we spoke last week with John Russell about recruitment. He's like, recruitment is basically you know, the most important thing. I think Stephen O'Donnell is a good judge of a player. He seems to have signed well and I wouldn't be underestimating him. No, I think I think the, those are solid points. Um, Yeah, and final one, Brennan A. Many LAY clubs are going down the route of having affiliations but non LAY clubs to feed their academy systems. Seeing that this is efficiently, effectively a less efficient copy 
of the rugby and GEA pathways, do you think there'd be any merit to the FEO enforcing that sort of representative model, having every school and non-LOI club affiliated with an LOI club would hopefully lead to less internal conflict? Look, the problem with that is they've tried to enforce these things before to encourage partnerships and you just can't strong arm people into it. And also, as we know, Irish football is so fragmented. There's parts of the country that don't have an LOI club near them or even parts of cities where they don't want to be associated with a League of Ireland club. You can't work, you can't force people um, I think you just have to have a more collaborative model and uh, and hope that that works. But I mean, I, I, I accept where the question comes from, but the Irish football landscape uh, is a complicated one. Listen, let's, before we go to the to our little Kerry chat, a bit of housekeeping. Last week's quiz question was the first visiting player to score at Tallis Stadium. Got some wrong guesses this week, a couple of even Real Madrid related guesses. <laughs> I saw this. That wasn't the first game. That wasn't the opening game. So I didn't expect Karen Benzema to be a guest in a trivia question at some stage, particularly when the answer is Gavin Pears. Like it was a Pears, or was it Benzema? It was Gavin Pears. There's a couple of references to Dundalk players as well, but Sligo Rovers did get a consolation in that game. Um, and that was um, that was a Gavin Pears goal. So he was the answer. Oh, I will say before we say he won, we did also have a mailbag question from a Cork City fan saying, why do you people call us Cork? When Cork is the GEA team, you have to call us Cork City or City. So we're now into another saga. And I just hope Cork Shams. I just hope when Sligo Rovers play Cork City that one doesn't call the other Sligo and Cork or else the whole thing is we're all, we're all screwed. Uh, who was our quiz winner, Johnny? The winner was Owen Walsh. Uh, Owen did actually guess right. We did another big um, entry this week. So congratulations to Owen. He wins a tour of the Rascals Brewery. Guy to try the Rascals Brewery. Happy days. Um, and our question for this week is um, we have four Estonian players in the league at the moment. Estonian international. Poom was in the squad. Vastok is in. But can people name the first Estonian to play in the League of Ireland, the first Estonian international to play in the League of Ireland. It's quite recent. Played with Sligo Rovers in Waterford. Give us the name of the first Estonian that was here. Um, that should be straightforward enough. And again, the prize is a guy to turn Raskelsbury. But anyway, um, Kerry had their they, they hold a Monday press conference every week, and we went in to have a little bit of a chat with Billy Dennehy and Jonathan Hannafin um, about how things are going for the fledgling club. Billy, like if I could just, I mean, I know I'm sorry maybe for some of the regulars, this is maybe going over a little bit of old ground from last week, maybe too, but just looking at the last two games, like what was the sense on the, the bus coming home from Wexford relative to the bus coming home from Galway in terms of the mood? I know you want to win, you want to be competitive, but was there a real sense of, okay, maybe you've got Galway out of the system a little bit? Yeah, how's it going, Dan? Good to see you again. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. Obviously, look, coming down after the Galway game is very, very difficult. Um, you know, I think for me, it was a big learning curve. And, and I said after the game straight away, you know, the Galway set up and the way we played was was my responsibility. You know, I took full responsibility for that for that result. Um, you know, and as I say, coming in Monday, then you would always have the next question is what do you do about a situation like that. You know, do you kind of sit back and and not be proactive in how you're going to improve, or, or do you kind of um, you know, get up and go again, and and that's kind of something I've done my whole career as a player, and it was no different now. I, I, I like we spoke as, as Jonathan said there on Monday, we had a great meeting, trained really, really well last Monday. You know, trained really well Wednesday, and you know, again, very, very unfortunate not to get a result on Friday against Wexford. And you know, I think we, as I said, that the handball is a massive moment in the game. It's a key moment in the game, and um, gives you a chance to equalise, and um, with with a lot of time left to play to go on and get the winner. But I think the the bus on the way down was 
I suppose, um, although we're obviously not disappointed to get the result, but there was you, you could feel that sense of we should have won, we should have got a result here, you know, and, and that's a lot different coming away from a Galway game where, you know, you're kind of well beaten. So, yeah, I think it just showed the players that, look, we can compete at this level, they can compete at this level, they can get results, we can score goals and, you know, the win is just on, it's on its way, it's just a matter of when it comes and that's down to ourselves to try and get that as soon as possible. I mean, it's funny, like I looked after the, the Galway game, even just the social media, and there was actually quite a lot of people who were quite understanding of it locally, but I'm sure as well, like it does seem there's great interest in the team, even with these events and the coverage, but that obviously goes both ways when you're losing and you have a heavy defeat like that, that, I mean, was there a sense of you were almost encouraged that I know people didn't seem to be losing their heads around you? People almost understand, okay, and maybe maybe they were. Maybe you tell me you were getting messages from people saying the opposite, but it did seem like people were generally understanding of it. Yeah, massively, Dan, you know, and I think that's been the best thing about this whole project for me is, as Jonathan said there, look, we've got a great group of people in, internally within the club, tra- players, staff, academy coaches, but, you know, the support that we're getting from the outside is, is um, there's massive value in it. Do you know, and as I said, like against Galway, we're, you know, we're very heavily beaten, but all the supporters that were there stayed till the end and we're over with them and we're clapping and they're supporting us. Because I think people have a realist, I suppose, a realism to where we are at as a club and they can see that what we're trying to do. We're trying to build it the right way. Like, Dan, you've covered a lot of Irish football for a lot of number of years and clubs come in on a whim and they're trying to, you know, kind of get from the bottom to the top as quickly as possible. We know that there's a process there and we know that Irish football doesn't have the industry that any other elite European leagues have. There's no, you know, industry in, in this country at the moment and it's really been built from the ground up and we're a club that has to operate in that way. And as I said, against Galway, a quarter of our team took a half day from school to play. And, you know, when you when you put it into context, you can say, OK, that has an Im- influence in the result. But overall, the structure and setup of the team wasn't right. And that's that was me. You know, that, that was um, my responsibility. But I think we got back to the team and the players that we are against Wexford. And I think you could see that belief within them. The players out on the pitch, you know, even after conceding so early that they went to go on them. And as I said, we definitely deserve something from the game and players coming in like Jonathan and other lads, Rob coming in, performed really, really well, you know, and that's exciting for me because I can see what the potential is that's in them and that will only grow as the games come along. I mean, just like speaking a month in now, however many games we're in, like has it has it met your expectations so far? Like you, you obviously would have thought thought about this for so long you know before it came to fruition and I'm sure over the winter you sort of you look at your squad and you go well how's this going to go I mean are you is this in line with where you thought you would be at this stage yeah I'm not too sure if my thought was missing St. Patrick's Day with my two sons um and I was sitting on a bus to Wexford for it but you know they're the, the things and the sacrifices you make but I think for me Dan when I was envisaging this and I used to say to people for the last five years this was happening I, I could really only see it from a supporter's point of view you know, I was re- I was the manager of the 19s and 17s, but I was I was kind of seeing the appetite that was there by the by everyone in the county for something like this. And when I was kind of striving to make it happen, it was for everyone and for me as a supporter as much as anything else. I'm just very fortunate that I'm the manager now for this moment in time. But I won't always be the manager. You know, there'll be a time when I'll be going up to Mount Talk Park watching the game with my sons as well. And that's you know something that I'm you know kind of more most proud about is that we are able to build this and get this for the people of Kerry. But now. It's about what mark can we make while we are here. I say this to the players like Jonathan and all that. We're not going to be a group of people and players coming through. But, you know, we want to make our mark while we are here. And then on a club's point of view, for me, it's about making the club self-sufficient and sustainable. You know, and that is at times not overreaching yourself. And, you know, you look at Galway, even for, as, as an example, they're a fully professional club for the last four years, fully professional manager, fully professional players. 
So that is just the difference in clubs and where we're at at the moment. But look, I've no doubt as time and as the years go by, as we build and grow slowly, it will hopefully allow us to progress into those certain levels. But for now, we just have to be mindful of where we are as a club and try to become self-sustainable as quickly as possible. And if that means you know, losing games because of that, then you have to look at the bigger picture and the health of the club going forward, which I think everybody can see and understand. And as Jonathan said, look, we're still out there to win and compete. And, and I've seen the players now believe that they can do that. It's just, you know, getting that first win under the belt and look, hopefully that'll come on Friday night in front of our own home supporters. How's it going, Billy? How's it going, Johnny? You well? Not too bad, not too bad. Just just the, the, the League of Ireland at the moment, um, you've kind of come in at an interesting time because just the, the upsurge in interest and uh, I suppose the standard of the play and, you know, the, the style of football and all that. It's um, What do you put it down to? Because, like, it's probably a different League of Ireland, I guess, from when you played. Hmm. Yeah, it is, Johnny. I think a lot of it is down to a lot of the restructuring within the FAI over the last number of years. There's obviously a big element of that there. Obviously, the underage academies that came into place as well. Um, that has an impact on it. And then you look at Brexit also. You know, the Brexit situation where players can't go to the UK now until over 18 years of age. That keeps your younger, talented players in the league longer. So that in itself too kind of contributes to the standard of the overall squads and the groups and the players coming through. And then I think you look at the crowds. I think COVID probably had an impact in that where there wasn't any... Um, you know, live sport that there wasn't anywhere for anybody to go and then when it's back now all of a sudden, you know, people are delighted to have something to do on a Friday night and, you know, I think a lot of people can see that the League of Ireland, that there is quality there and, and there is standards there just as a club and again, I'm probably thinking outside of a sporting context here but we do, as a league, need to keep building that football industry in terms of getting full-time academy coaches, in terms of getting better facilities, better grounds and these are things that I think Overall, as a club, if you're looking to do internally as your own club, if everybody's on that same page, then collectively it comes together better as a league. And I think that's what you're seeing now at the moment. You have a lot of clubs doing a lot of really, really good things. But in the Premier Division and the First Division, a lot of clubs are really kind of putting the right structures in place and they're, they're doing the right things on and off the pitch. And that, I think, overall is leading to a positive image for League of Ireland football. And um, we'll say, if you look at like um, Evan Ferguson, if Evan Ferguson had a different um, upbringing, maybe he would have been a Gaelic footballer, maybe he would have been a rugby player. What's the challenge for ye in Kerry to um, get kids in like as early as possible to be playing like a high standard of um, football rather than Gaelic football, we'll say? And how long, I guess, will it take for Kerry to fulfil its potential in that regard? Mm, yeah, I think Evan Evan played down here, Evan Ferguson played down here for Bowes in that McFarren Cup final in 2017 against, against us where... He scored a hat-trick on the day, so I tried to keep him down here that day and get him signed up, but he wasn't really having it. Um, Jonathan Marklin, was he? he yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Jonathan was a few years overage that day. But um, but again, for us as, as a county, you could see players like that coming down here from games that we'd earned. You know, we earned our way to that Mark Farron Cup final where we played Bowes and Evan Ferguson was down here playing a couple of years ago. And a lot of those players who played that day for Kerry, now watch him playing in the Premier League, watch him playing for Ireland, and that's inspirational for them. But in terms of what you're saying there, Johnny, in relation to other sports, I've never kind of gone into this. And, and as a club, we don't look at other sports or the areas of Kerry and look to compete with them. You know, we look to support them just as they are supporting us. And that's the way I think sport and the environment should be. You know, everybody has their day. Every, everyone plays on a different day. There's no exact time clashes for kickoff time. So, you know, everyone can support each other. And as time goes by, as I've said as a player, I was a Kerry minor in 05 and I was flying over to Southampton and Villa and Forest on trial, Sunderland. And I was coming back playing for the Kerry Miners a, a, a day or two later. So, you know, for me, it's about providing the platforms for the people first. And then they will make their own decisions. You know, any boy or girl that's coming through playing, their actions over a number of years will, dis will determine what sport they want to play, whether that's, 
you know, soccer or football in our sport, whether that's GEA, whether that's tennis or golf or whatever it might be. You know, but I think as a, as a county, what we're just providing is another platform for the people who want to strive in this game to hopefully have a career in this game. That's what we're providing down here. And, and you know, a lot of work goes on by a lot of people behind the scenes on a daily basis to make that happen. Um, and, you know, that will always continue to be the case. Yeah, just to find one for, for you then, if, if it's OK, um, what would you say to any aspiring League of Ireland club um, in terms of what it needs to do to reach this standard? Because... Um, I know Dan has spoken about it a lot, um, how much he's, he's loved this Kerry idea. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I was in Buckley Park um, a couple of years ago and see the ground run down and think of like the likes of Gort Keegan and other grounds where there is a League of Ireland uh, no more. What would you say to a club that um, is aspiring to get to this level, what they need to do? Yeah, Johnny, I think it comes down to the individual people involved. You know, as I said, from, from my outset in this and... and you know, being involved in the project since from the very start, you know, you can say as a, as a manager or a coach, look, we want to win on a Friday. And now, you know, you kind of want to chase everything about the club evolves around a Friday night result. And uh, I, I, I just can't see how that can, how can that can have, you know, I suppose a long-term benefit of the club, you know. And for me, as I said at the, at the beginning of this, any resources that were allocated by the guys in the US went into the facility. You know, you look at the facility now compared to four or five months ago, you know, there's a massive upgrade in the facility. And that's not just to the benefit of Kerry FC. That's to the benefit of all the clubs playing within the Kerry District League because they all play there, they train there, they play their matches there. And that's, you know, for me, that's very important because these are things that we can build on now as the years go by. We can make the facilities right. We can make the environment right for the players. We can produce um, resources for the academy players to keep progressing and improving. And then as time goes by, hopefully we'll be in a position to compete more and more and more with the teams like the Galways, like the Waterfords, who are fully professional, but we know we're a bit away from that. So I think from the outside, Johnny, everybody could see what we're trying to achieve here. They know that we've gone down the hard road, and you know, unfortunately for me sometimes. But look, that's that's what we want to do. That's what we we're, we're striving to do. And I think, as I said, when when all of us aren't involved no more and we're coming to support the club, we'll hopefully see the club sustainable and and you know moving in the right direction. And I think if every league of Ireland club has that approach, then it will only benefit the overall um, Irish football as a, as an overall group. Thanks a million, Billy. Can I can I come to you, so Jonathan? Yeah, work well, Johnny. Um, have any recollection of meeting me in Fagans the day of the All Ireland final? We did, yeah. We were just talked about there other sports, like yeah. So we were up representing the other sports there in All Ireland Club Park, yeah. What was what was the context of that conversation? Were you just like, I can't wait to be a League of Ireland player? I think we talked about football, right? Yeah, yeah. We talked about <laughs> no, I suppose look, soccer is um. Soccer is my first love, like, but as Billy said, like, you know, we're not competing with any sport down here. And um, like, you know, I done my degree in sports science. And one of the first principles of that was player pathways and, you know, I suppose the impact on other sports and the transfer of other skills on other sports is massive. And like Billy, though, know, Kerry Minor at 05 playing football, that transferred to his soccer abilities and vice versa, his soccer abilities transferred to football. So I think down here, as I suppose pathways go when a player is not maybe making it as a footballer, soccer could be an avenue for him. And vice versa, if he doesn't make it as a soccer player on the 19s or in the 17 squads, he can go back to football and play high level football. And we're going to benefit from top athletes in Kerry because of this, because of the structures in the academy, strength and conditioning. They're going to be exposed to a lot more high level sport down here than they were 12 months ago. Two years ago, five years ago. 
Yeah, and like for, from your perspective, being a local, literally a local of Tralee at 28 years of age, what is the buzz like to represent uh, Kerry in League of Ireland at this stage of your career? Oh, look, like I've touched on it there earlier, but it's it's what you dream of, you know, like you dream, first of all, it's probably a dream going abroad and making it a top level. And, but I've been in different clubs in Merview and Galway, Pike, Fairview, and you see what they feel for the jersey and you know as much as pride and performance you have in yourself and you'll represent that community that you play for you will never play for the jersey as much as you play for your home jersey and your home fans and your home family and you know billy knows me since i was very young lad like you know i i think i have a trophy of under 16s winning a cup or player of the year and billy handed it to me you know so uh these things like you know when it's your home area and you see the boys and you're getting text messages it means a lot a lot and i said it to lads earlier there's gonna be games down in montauk park where the fans are gonna go to drag us over the line you know we're gonna be hanging on and we're gonna win games because of it yeah and finally we, we spoke with evan ferguson and the cup so if you're drawn in the cup first round who's the player you're absolutely dreading to be marking oh there's a few there now like yeah uh, a few of the dairy boys now are looking good now um I, we, we get Shamrock Rovers and Billy will put me into midfield there and I'll, I'll mark Gary O'Neill for the day. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go back. Yeah, me and Gary actually captained each other's UCD versus UL too in 2016 in a Collingwood Cup final as well. So, like, as schoolboy mates, so we go back a long time. So, nice to give him a kick or two on the field. Top man. Yeah, Dan, I, I had to uh, fashion a bit of a smile when I saw Jonathan Hannafin uh, on the Zoom today. I met John Hannafin uh, before the All-Ireland between Kerry and Galway. Chatted to him for ages about God knows what. Um, followed him on Instagram. Didn't think anything of it. Um, he's just another randomer you meet in, uh, in the pub. Next thing he's signing for Kerry. I was like, right, I don't really remember that being part of the conversation. Then he turns up on a Zoom and he speaks very eloquently about what it's like at 28 years of age to be uh, playing for your hometown club in the League of Ireland. Yeah, he did seem sheepish about your meeting. He did. It left, think, it left well, Billy did. He was kind of in, like he was in the Zoom calls. Was like, well, I probably don't really want to. Left, you know. left a bigger mark on on you than it did on on him potentially. Or maybe he was just embarrassed. Like he came up did, to I, me in fairness. Like I I I didn't know who he was. He's a very very I, handsome character now in fairness. But I like I didn't I, go up to him because it was attracted to him. He came up to me because he was a fan of the League of Ireland. Well, I must. I'm not going to name the player. Um, but a couple of years back, I was um. Uh, I was in a McDonald's in Dublin at around two in the morning having a, it was pre-COVID uh, and like, you know, you're coming at home from a few points and you just want to go in and not be seen by anyone, like you be anyone you know. Scoff at a Big Mac. Get, get your order in, you know, and get it out, like eat it on the side of the street or whatever. But like, it was a massive queue and I did get chatting to a League of Ireland player that I didn't recognise um, for a deep, deep discussion about uh, League of Ireland matters in, in their club. Uh, and I must admit, it was a, like it was a player that I sort of had to look up their stats after to confirm, but like story checked out. It's like um, you have these wonderful dis- discussions in the weirdest places. Who did um, he play for? Into this someday. Um, he played for Treaty. So, okay. There we go. At that point, um, but, but subsequently moved on. Is that the, the 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 quiz for next week? Who did Dan meet at McDonald's? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I wouldn't even get it right myself. I'm not thinking about it. No. Yeah, I know. I know who it was. But um, so we we have no Premier games this week. Um, I should say 
bit of bit of housekeeping. I didn't announce their collar and cuff mailbag prize winner. I think uh, Andrew Brennan, to be fair, he went he sent in a quite a detailed question to us about partnerships with clubs. So uh, he sent he even sent us a, a note a screen grab of a note because he actually sat down to type it himself. So I think that little bit of commitment, um, you deserve a, you deserve a... Decky's sponsorship is definitely bringing the mailbag to another level. 50 quid, Andrew. So uh, 50 quid voucher coming your way. So yeah, um, it's a weird one this week with Arden Lafia. Um, we did have another mailbag question, sorry, about is Stephen Kenny turning his back on the League of Ireland by not including League of Ireland players? Now, to me, I don't see anyone in this squad that don't see anyone at the moment who you'd say they should be in the squad for me. I could be wrong. I think Kenny I wouldn't mind Neil Frugia in as a left wing back. No, I I, I, un, I understand that. I mean, McElhenney's playing at a very high level at the moment, but and Stephen Kenny loves McElhenney, but I feel like yeah, I think I I, was, I said this maybe last year, the year before. I think if, if McElhenney was back to his best, I wouldn't really let Stephen Kenny capping him, but I just I just maybe that ship has just sailed at this point. Um or you know, if he if he was playing really well in Europe in the summer, or if any player, like be it McElhenney, be it Forrester, be it Jack Byrne, I think if someone be it Ferruja, I think if someone was excelling in Europe in the summer and you come into that September squad, then maybe you have a chance. Maybe Brian Mara would have a chance as a, if a keeper was out injured of coming into the squad. I wouldn't rule that out at all, actually. I think third keeper is one where that can happen. Um, but I, I don't think because Stephen Kenny, I I see this point even even like one or two journalists who've probably been on Kenny's back a bit, then sort of trying to make it a thing that like Kenny is, is turning his back on, on League of Ireland by not picking players. I mean, I think it's sort of, it sort of reflects on the professionalism of them rather than him. That I think someone would like just suddenly like positively discriminate. We are, um, we are running out of time. One player yeah. he probably will uh, pick uh, over the next couple of games was one time with Bohemians and a tweet emerged of a player that actually sort of lost his place to this kid at Bohemians. Yeah, we, well, he was Ginny, Ginny Corcoran who... Um, was on the late, late of late. You know, the late, late. Sent in a picture. I must admit, I do feel very silly now for getting pissed off when Keith Long was putting a 15-year-old in squads ahead of me. It was Evan Ferguson, serious talent. But uh, that was, yeah, Ginny Corcoran who was like... He's been on Countdown. He was spotted in the late, late audience last week. I mean, where will he be next week? Dancing with the Stars audience, like uh, all around weirdo, really. The fixtures six, this six weekend, news, you know, um, the fixtures this weekend. Galway United be long for town uh, again. Galway United will be ex- expecting to win that and win it comfortably. We'll see what happens. Kerry visit at loan as Billy spoke about. Um, Billy Dennehy, good chance for them to potentially get their first win. Treaty um, had a real, real late wobble after looking like they were all over the winners in at loan. They host Watford, who are under plenty of pressure, I would argue, already. Uh, Bray hosts Wexford, um, and that's a fascinating game in the playoffs battle, I would argue, at the very least. And Finn Harps were off the mark. They host Cove Ramblers, Dan, who obviously came unstuck oh, against Galway. I wonder, United. yeah, would Dave Rogers be paying for any Cove fans to travel? Or, I mean, who knows? Like, Dave Rogers on social media seems to be a big, big hit with everyone. He's a fan yeah. of Rogi, actually. Uh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't, uh, yeah, like he, he, I'm sure he'll be on at some stage, but uh, yeah, he's paying for Bray fans and doing all that type of stuff. Um, you know, social media engagement from managers. It's always a bit of a, you know, I'm not sure how you feel about it. Like, it's sort of a, it's a, people are on the fence about it. Some people love it. It's a bit like the FEI CEO as well, Jonathan Hill. Some people say, should he be on Twitter? But some people say, that's the modern world. Like, you know, we use it. The likes of us journalists, we're on it. So why should we criticize administrators, managers, if they go on it? Yeah. You know, the day games to talk about it. But I'm not on it, uh, contrary to us. Would they be as happy with a, 
but they'd be as happy with their players doing the same things. Like you can, you can have that debate. Uh, yeah, I'm not on it. Uh, contrary to any and um, things you might have thought by tweets, uh, uh, of, tweets on go- of goals and polls you, and and all that. You, uh, watching you, you give up social, you give up Twitter, um, and you're now on it more than ever. Just under. I, I'm actually not. Um, but uh, but I am. Uh, I am on Instagram. If you want to, if you want to follow some really, really, uh, really, really cool photos of you're, some, you're, some of them, the league you're, world. You're just uh, a form drinker in a pub with like a fake, a very bad fake mustache. Possibly um, with. Possibly yeah, with uh, Twitter, possibly with Jonathan Hannafin. Uh, that was uh, the LOI Central episode from this week. Uh, we're in association with Future Ticketing, association with Future Ticketing, Rascals Brewery in Inchicore, and of course Collar and Cuff. Thanks for listening.